Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. I don't know about you, but I've had some moments in my life I just didn't know how to navigate. They just came and sideswiped me. Now, people tried to prepare me. People will try to tell you what you need to know. But then there's some moments that you just can't prepare for. And one of those moments was the first time that I held my baby girl, Adele. And she was my firstborn. She was, she's seven years old now. But whenever I held Adele, something inside of me. Y'all ever seen the Grinch where his heart starts growing like 10 sizes? That's what I felt like. I was like, my heart is literally growing right now because I did not know what this was going to be like, and it's just changed my life ever since that moment. And we had a sweet time. She had a great delivery. Everything went really great. But there was another moment shortly after that that I was also not prepared for. And that was the moment when the nurse said, Mr. Blaylock, do you have the car seat ready? And I said, no, I don't, but I'm going to go get it ready. So I go down and get it ready. And while I'm getting the car seat ready, while I'm getting it ready, I realize this nurse is not going home with us. The doctor is not going home with us. I'm like, do y'all know me? I don't know how to take care of a baby. And I don't know that my wife does either. Like, we don't know how to take care of a baby. Nobody, we've thought about it. We've tried, but we, we've never prepared for this. We don't know how to navigate this part of our lives. And we weren't prepared. But you know what? You figure it out. And the good part is, at first, it's really easy. They, they sleep, they poop, they pee, and then they cry, and then you hand them to mommy. And it's a really simple gig. Piece of cake. It's where we're at right now. We have Charlie, got a four-month-old boy, and that's his car seat. And yeah, it's, it's pretty easy with Charlie. He's, he only, you know, he just wants a few different things, and some of it I can't give him, so I just give him right to mama. So it's pretty simple. But I've got a seven-year-old now, and things are getting a little more complicated because what happens is first, yeah, they just need a few things, but then they learn to crawl, and they start getting into things. And then they learn to talk. And they start saying things. And then they learn to talk back. <laughs> and then they learn to repeat what you say in public. And things get a little more complicated. I, I, I've, I had a revelation not too long ago. I was like, you know what? Right now is as uncomplicated as my relationship with my child will ever get. This is it. It's never going to be less complicated than it is right now. And so soak it up and enjoy it for what it is, because over time, things just get more complicated. It's part of life. And here's the thing. You have 936 weeks from the time that your child goes from the car seat to the graduation aisle. And I have a marble here. These are 936 marbles. And you have 936 weeks with your child before they leave your house. Now, guess what? This is this week. It's gone. It's done. That's a week. And that doesn't look like a whole lot, does it? It's because it's really not. Every week goes by and every week counts. And as I think about that, that really makes me pause. And it really makes me question, what am I doing? <laughs> What's the purpose of parenting? What's the goal here? 
Is it just to get them from the car seat to the graduation aisle? Like, why? What am I doing? What is the real purpose? And I need some help navigating this. This is, we're in the last part of our series, Navigating Life. And I don't know about you, but I need help navigating this thing we call parenting. It's one of the most important things I know that I'm going to do in my life. People have told me that, but it's something that I literally need help with. Anybody else here with me? You need some help navigating this. I do too. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about parenting in the last part of this series. And so I thought a lot about this. What is my goal as a parent? Is it just to get them from here to here? Is it just to, you know, get rid of all these 936 weeks, cross my fingers and hope for the best? And I don't think that's the goal. Really, what I've decided the goal is, the goal is this. The goal of parenting is to prepare them at each stage to be a successful adult that still wants our influence in their life. So what that means is every stage of their life, every stage, every part of the weeks, I am preparing them to be an adult, to leave my house, and when they leave my house, they still like me, and they still want me to be in their life, and they still want my influence in their life, even though I've emptied out my jar, and they still want that. That's, that, to me, is my goal. I want my kids to love me, and I want them to want my influence in their life. And here's the thing. All of us have to realize we're not babysitting kids. We are raising adults. You are shaping and crafting an adult. They're not always going to be in the car seat. They're not always going to be in the booster seat. They're not always going to be needing you to drive them. They're not always going to be in high school doing all the things high schoolers do. Eventually, they're going to go out, and they're going to be an adult. And that's what you're shaping. And at some point, they're going to make a decision. And that decision is, do I want my mom and dad's influence in my life? They're either going to look at you as a great example, or they're going to look at you as a horrible warning. And I know that because there's people in here, your relationship with your parents is nothing because you've chosen for it to be that way because your parents didn't do things to earn that in your life. And you look at your kids, you're like, I don't want their influence in my kid's life. And my goal is to not be that. My goal is for my kids to look at me and say, I love my dad, and I want his influence in my life, and I want them to be a successful adult. Can we agree that that's a pretty good goal for being a parent, right? We want them to want to come home, right? We want them to want to bring the grandkids around. We want them to want those things. And here's the deal. What made you decide that you wanted your parents' influence in your life? Was it their parenting skills? Was it the rules they made? Was it how many ball games they attended? Was it how many recitals they did or how many birthday parties they threw for you or how good they were at throwing or how many things, sleepovers they let you go through? No, what made your, you decide if you want your parents' influence in your life? And I'll tell you, it's one thing. It's their behavior. It's their behavior that made you decide if you wanted their influence in your life, if you wanted a relationship to continue with them. It was their behavior. And so it would be silly for us to think that our kids are going to base their decision on something else. We have 936 weeks that we're spending with them in our home, and you know your kids see the best and the worst of you. The most embarrassing moments of my life would be if someone had a camera when I was alone with my children and I was frustrated because you know who was acting like the child? It wasn't them. It was me. (laughs) 
If you've never yelled, shut up at your children, you've never lived. <laughs> Just joking. Please don't do that. Uh, I'm, I'm a horrible example. I'm a horrible warning, not a great example in that area. Uh, and that, that's what we're talking about today. Our behavior, if that's a normal behavior for me, if that's not something I can stop and say, wow, that is not what I want in my kid's life. That is not the parent that they need. If I can't stop and apologize and say, baby, daddy was very frustrated. He should have never said that to you. If I can't do that, they're going to make a decision by the time they get here. And it's not going to be the one that I want. I'm not going to reach the goal that I want. So then, if it's based on behavior, meeting our goal, getting them from the car seat to the graduation aisle, if meeting our goal is based on our behavior, then what behavior do we need? What behavior is best? And that's a good question. And fortunately, the Bible has some answers for us. So we're going to go to the Bible. But I have to warn you before we go to the Bible, if you want a beautiful picture of a functional family, you're not going to find it in the Bible. The Bible is full of the exact opposite. It's full of extremely dysfunctional families. And you see them overcome dysfunction. I just want to encourage you. We're going to be talking about this today. And if you're in a dysfunctional family, maybe you're at the point your, your kids have already moved out and they've made this decision. There is still hope. And we're going to talk about that hope. We're going to talk about that grace. There's still time to make things right. But the Bible's full of dysfunctional characters and dysfunctional families. But along steps into the picture, this man that we call Jesus. And Jesus, as you know, showed us what God wanted for us. He showed us what God wanted for us. He wanted us to live a life of love. And there were all these rules. And Jesus said, you know what? All these rules can be summed up pretty simple. Love God and love others as God has loved you. That's the law of Christ. And then Paul, the apostle Paul was a guy, he became a Christian after he had been killing Christians. Now he becomes a Christian and he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he starts telling them about the most important part of their behavior. And parents, even if you're not a parent, you might... You, maybe someday you will be a parent, or if you're a grandparent, you're responsible for raising, uh, helping raise a child. If you're an aunt or an uncle, I want you to listen up, because if you have any responsibility with children in your life, you need to listen to these words of Paul as he writes to the Corinthians. He says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had time, I'd just grab a stick and I'd just beat the snot out of those cymbals. That's what it sounds like whenever you're, whenever, whenever, Paul says you can speak in the tongues, but if you don't have love, it's just a bunch of noise. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, that sounds great, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Parents, you could do all the things right. You could take them to all the ball games. You could get them right on time to every appointment. You could make sure that they got the grades just right. You could help them with that science. You could do it all just right. But if you don't do it with love, you're going to have nothing. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And this brings me to one of my main points, this is like point, maybe the top point, and then I'm going to have another point that's really my main point. We're getting there. But the top point is this. Love is the most important behavior in a family. Love is the most important behavior in your family. That's what's really going to decide if your kids want your influence in their life. 
is if you have love. And that sounds so simple. And that sounds so simplistic. It's like, of course I have love. Of course I love my children. Of course I do. It's, it's natural. It's just it's pretty easy. I love my kids, except for some days when they're, you know, uh, uh, just joking. But Paul is going to take it a step further. He's going to start getting down where we live and show us what real love, Christ's love, looks like in our lives. And we're going we're gonna to go through this passage kind of slowly today, and I've got one part that I really want to zero in on because it's the most important. I think it's really the keystone habit for your family that will really change everything. And, but So let's just start here. Verse 4, it says this, Love is patient. Ooh, we could just have an altar call right now for some of y'all parents. Love is patient. It is not easy to be patient. Have you ever walked with a two-year-old? Oh, man. They're like, they're walking this way, and then they see something, they want to go over here, and you just, you don't know where they're going, and it takes them forever to get anywhere if they're walking. And so I, I picture that just trying to walk with a two-year-old. I remember walking with Adele and just seeing how, how she just wandered, and, and I would think, you know, God has to be so patient with me. You know, like I'm here one day and the next day I'm going over here and I'm going over there and God has to be so patient with me. And the thing is, God is so patient with you and love is patient. Don't push your kids further than their limits or you will exasperate them and they're going to want to give up and they're not going to want your influence in their life. Be patient with your children. Move at their pace. That's love, being patient with your kids. All right, that's not what I want to focus on, but that was, that was just the first part. The next part is love is kind. Love is kind. And that's not a word we focus on a whole lot. But kindness really is a moment whenever you could lash out, a moment when you could show just how big and powerful you are. Kindness decides instead of you being the big person, it decides to, to loan that little person, that child in your life, to loan them your strength. That's kindness. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But we're, we're kind of getting down to where I really want to focus. It says, it does not envy, love does not boast, and it is not proud. And the only one thing I want to say about that is uh, pride is something that if you let it into your heart and if you let it sit there, it will keep you from really being able to love your kids the way you're supposed to. Um, and where I see this play out the most, and this is just a little, uh, this is a little something that, that I've always, it's always bothered me. It's a pet peeve, if you will. And that is parents that don't tell their children that they love them. You need to tell your kids, say it, say it, say it. Tell them you love them. Overdo it. You can't overdo it. As a matter of fact, tell your kids you love it. As a matter of fact, I, tell, I asked Evie the other night, I said, do you know who I love? And she said, me. And I said, yeah. I said, how do you know? She said, because you tell me all the time. <laughs> tell your kids you love them. And this is where I really want to focus, is verse 5. It says, it does not dishonor others. Love does not dishonor others. And he's saying it in the negative, but if you take it in the positive, then it means that love honors others. Love honors others. And this word honor is kind of out of style. It's kind of out of fashion. We don't talk a lot about honor. As a matter of fact, it's just so hard to find it in our society. It seems like nothing is sacred. It seems like nothing is being honored. And so I want us to really zoom in on this today because I think this is a keystone habit for us. I think that honor is the foundation of love. 
And what honor is, it's where you take, you humbly put someone before yourself. You humbly put somebody else before yourself. That's really what the root of honor is. And of all the behaviors that you could focus on for these 936 weeks, of all the behaviors listed here in this chapter, I think that one of the ones that will affect all the other things in your life and affect your family and get you to that goal of them wanting a relationship with you and wanting your influence in their life later in their life, I think honor is probably number one. I think it's key. I think if you change that one thing, if you start putting honor into your families, it's, you're going to see it filter out through generations and generations, just like they were singing about this morning. So I want to teach you a saying, and this is the saying that we're going to base the rest of the message on. It's a really simple saying. I learned this from my friend Brandon Stewart, and it's just simply, it says this, honor up, honor down, honor all around. Honor up, Honor down, honor all around. I think you got it. Try not to look at the screen. See if you can say it with me. Ready? Honor up, honor down, honor all around. Now, when Brandon taught it to me, he was talking about in leadership, that you honor the people above you, you honor the people below you, and you honor the people at your level. But today, I want to apply it to us as parents or as grandparents or as people who help raise children in your life. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. Honoring up is honoring God. Your children notice whether you honor God or not. They do. Their friends notice whether you honor God or not. I just want to tell a few stories real quick. I was talking to my buddy Sean this week about parenting and different things. And my buddy Sean grew up, grew up in a fairly uh, abusive situation. It wasn't pretty for Sean. Um, and Sean told me, that one day he came over to my house early on in our friendship in high school, and we were about to go on a trip or do something. I don't, I don't really remember. But he remembers that we were in the kitchen, and we were about to go out the door, and my dad said, hey, hey, guys, come here. Come here real quick. We're like, okay, what is it? He said, I just want to pray for you all before you go. And we're like, okay. And I'm, this is my dad. My dad's a pastor. I grew up. My dad definitely honors God, and I'm just used to it. Like, that's just normal. My dad's going to pray for us before we go. But Sean said, that moment changed my life life because nobody had ever prayed for me like that before he said he took time and he valued me enough to stop what he was doing and pray for me and guys fathers especially it matters what you do in your home you set the tone you set the spiritual parameter for what it looks like in your house for what for what honor and honoring God looks like in your house. I remember meeting uh, my wife's parents for the first time. And uh, man, they're awesome people, but I had never met them before. I knew I liked her. Amber, in case those of you who don't know, Amber was my wife. She was the one singing here today. She did a great job. I love hearing my wife sing. And so, uh, so she, was, she was, oh yeah, yeah come on now. <laughs> go baby, go. Wherever you are, I know you're here somewhere. Probably feeding Charlie. Um, so I'm meeting her, we were in college, and I sit down with her parents, and you know, I grew up, like I said, pastor's kid, and I didn't really know where her family, I knew that Amber, she liked God, she was in love with Jesus, but I didn't know where her family was. And so I sit down, and we're about to eat, and then Jeff Bell, her dad, said, let's pray. And Jeff goes to pray. Now I grew up, like when I pray, I get to the point. Like, I'm getting to the point, I'm going to pray, I'm going to say the prayer, and it's going to be done 
Like, I get to it. But Jeff, he does something that I've, I've really never heard anybody else do this. But Jeff, when he starts to pray, he starts with a sigh. He goes, hmm. And then he says, dear God. And he pauses. And it just changes the whole room. And in that moment, it took two words and about six seconds for me to realize this man loves God. This man honors God. And there's a reason his daughter is somebody that I love and I love her relationship with Christ is because of what he and his wife have instilled in their family. And I got all that from just one little prayer at Jenkins Restaurant in Cleveland, Tennessee. And what I'm telling you is it matters to your children if they see you honoring God. You need to honor up and it matters a lot. And you need to build it into the rhythms of your life. If you sit down to eat and you don't pray, guess what? You've missed an opportunity. And it's not that we're praying that the food doesn't poison us, although that's a fine prayer sometimes. Depends on where you're eating. Um, The point of the prayer is to take time. We eat several times a day, and when we sit down to eat, you know what we do? We pray. And you can pray about the food, or you can pray for the person who made it, or you can pray about things going on in your life. And that's what Jeff does. He stops, and he's so thankful. He takes time. And then what I love, when you're at their family dinner table, different people chime in with the prayer. Like everybody kind of has a turn at the prayer and then Jeff closes it out and they've just built that into the rhythm of their family and it's so beautiful. And I looked at that and I said, I want that in my family. I want that in my family. And so when I sit down at the dinner table with my kids, when I get to do that, we say a prayer. And we t- in our family, we take turns praying. Adele prays sometimes, then Evie, and then me, and then mommy, and we just kind of go around the circle. Sometimes we lose track and they try to make up whose turn it is. But we build it into the rhythm of our family. Another place that's easy to build honoring God in the rhythm of your family is in attending church. Um, when you come to church, your kids notice. And as a matter of fact, they're back there right now learning about God. Those of you who put your kids in kids' church, that's what they're doing. And they know that you've brought them to this place. And you said, you know what, boys and girls? You know what, uh, kiddos, children of mine? Y'all go over here and you learn about God. Mommy and daddy are taking time out to go in here and worship God and learn about God too. We're honoring God. We're taking time out of our week to honor God. So it's so important to build these rhythms, build these rhythms of honor in your life. You can do it through conversations about God, conversations about what's going on at church, what'd you learn, what'd you learn in Sunday school. But honoring God makes a big difference. I just want to share a couple of, of stats real quick. It says this, uh, there, was a, there was a study done. It said if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, there's only a 2% chance that the child will attend as an adult, okay? Dad doesn't go to church, there's a 2% chance, even if the mom does, that the kid will go to church. If a father does go regularly to church, regardless of what mom does, there's a 66 to 75% chance that the children will attend church as an adult. Dads, I don't know why it's like this. I don't know, but it is. It's like this. If you attend church, it will be a, it'll be a, keystone foundation thing in your kid's life, whether they attend church. And it's not just about church attendance, but as you know, I mean, you're here attending church today. It makes a difference in your life, makes a big difference in your life. And your behavior, your kids are looking, they know, they see if you honor God, and it's going to make a difference in what decisions they make after they've walked the graduation aisle. So honor up. Can everybody say honor up? All right, the next one is this. Honor down. And this is where I want to talk about honoring your children. 
honoring your children. Here's the thing, guys. This doesn't come naturally. And here's the reason why. Charlie is four months old, and he has a will of his own. He wants things. He wants me to pick him up. He wants me to sing the songs I sing to him. I have some songs that I sing to Charlie. They're big hits. He loves them. He smiles. He's a big fan. He wants me to do all of these things. And he wants to be fed when he wants to be fed. The thing is, that's fine that Charlie has a will. But you know who else has a will? I have a will. And my wife has a will. And we don't always want to stop what we're doing and do what Charlie wants us to do. Not to mention, I have two other children and they also have wills. And they want me to stop and look and say, Daddy, watch this. It's like, I'm not, I can't, I'm, I'm working on this sermon I'm preaching tomorrow. I can't stop and watch this. Right? They have a will and I have a will. And built into this whole parenting thing is a clash of wills. And it is so hard to put someone else's will above yours, especially when they are so small, Right? Because you don't have to listen to what they do. As a matter of fact, you can shut them down really quick. You know? And I just want to say, you know, as you have older kids, sarcasm, using sarcasm to shut your kids down, to make them, to make them be quiet, to make them behave, don't do that. That is not, remember we talked about kindness? Be kind to your children. Explain things to them. Remember, you're shaping an adult. You're not babysitting a kid. You're shaping an adult. And so yesterday, as an example, uh, I was working on this sermon, and y'all, I, you know, it, it wasn't coming together. I'm glad it's going so well so far. At least I think it is. I hope y'all are thinking it is. So I didn't think. I was like, I've got to work on this sermon. And Evie, Evie really wanted me to put this puzzle together with her. And it's been weeks. She's been asking me to do this puzzle, and at different times, she's always asking at the wrong time. And you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm preaching about parenting tomorrow and putting others first. I should probably put this puzzle together with Evie. (laughs) And I did. And you know what? It was fine. And she loved it. And it took 15 minutes. And I put her first in that moment. And she felt honored. Now, can you always do that? No. No, you can't. And the way you honor your kid when you can't is you explain to them the reason why. She said, Daddy, why can't you help me put the, Daddy, can you put this puzzle together? No, not right now, I'm busy. Busy might not be enough. I might say, baby, I'm working on a sermon that I'm preaching tomorrow and I'm gonna help some people out or I've gotta do this thing for work. A lot of people are expecting me and Daddy does this or Mommy does this so that we can have money and I really need to do this. And I love you and I'm gonna do this with you later, but right now, this is what's important. And so explain it to them because you're shaping an adult. If all they ever hear is, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, guess what? They're going to think you're too busy for them. And guess what? When they get here, they're going to make a decision. Okay, mom's too busy. She's got her own thing. Dad's too busy. He's got his own thing. I'm not important. That's what they're going to hear. That's what they're going to feel. And then when they have kids, maybe that's their default. A lot of our defaults are because of what our parents did to us, because of the way our parents treated us. And it's so important for you to treat them as the adult that you're shaping them to be. And don't treat them, you know, when they're seven, like they're 18. But what I'm saying is, Point them in the direction. You are going in this direction. You have a goal. And it's so hard to keep that goal in mind 
when you're down there changing diapers and whenever the whole house is a complete wreck and people are coming over and, and you're just, you know, flying by the seat of your pants. And you, 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 it's so hard to remember, I'm shaping an adult. I'm not just babysitting this kid. I'm shaping an adult. So honor your kids by realizing that you're shaping this adult. Now, there's one other thing that I want to say. Sometimes we can look at, um, at sorry, I, I want to, honoring your kid also comes in a big place as discipline, disciplining your kids. And the problem with the word discipline is when I say the word discipline, automatically you think of, oh, no. Like when we think of it in relation to kids, we think of things like, uh, like punishing them, right? Like making them straighten up, making them stop acting up. That's disciplining our children. But the thing is, that's not actually discipline. Discipline, think about it, every New Year's, what do you say? I need more discipline in my life, right? Your kid's not walking around saying, you know what, mom, dad, I just need more discipline in my life, right? They don't do that. But we do that as adults. We realize that discipline is good for us. And the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. We need to discipline our children. And here's the thing about discipline. Here's, Here's the difference between punishment and discipline. Discipline makes the person better. Discipline makes the person better. Punishment just makes them mad, right? Punishment just makes them sad and upset and angry. If all you're giving your kid is punishment for what they've done wrong, what you're doing is you're saying, you've embarrassed me, you've inconvenienced me, and so I'm going to embarrass you or I'm going to inconvenience you. That's an eye for an eye. That's a Here's the letter of the law, and you better do these things, or else I'm going to do something bad to you. That's punishment. And that, unfortunately, is a default, because that is within our human nature. I want this, you want this, guess what? Guess who's going to win? Me, every time, because I'm the adult, because I'm bigger, because I'm smarter, because I'm faster. Guess what? I'm going to win. And that might work for a little while, but some of y'all that are raising teenagers know it doesn't work for a long time. Discipline is different than punishment. Discipline makes your child better, and they will see it, and they will feel it. And I want to talk about that in a moment, but first I want to talk about the desire for obedience. A lot of times we want our kids to obey us, and our goal is obedience, and we think if we could just teach them to obey and do what we said, then everything would be right. And that's not actually true, because you know what? You're not right all the time. And eventually, if all they're doing is looking to obey somebody, when they get older, they're not going to know how to navigate life themselves. More than obedience, you need to teach your kids how to honor. Because if you're just saying you need to obey me, then your kids are going to look up and say, where's the rules? What are the rules? I need to know the rules because if I know the rules, then I can get by. I can, you're parenting to the lowest bar if you're looking to just make your kids obey. You know, be home by 10 and your kids are, you know, well, I came in at, you know, at 10 minutes and one second. You're like, hey, that's, I said 10 o'clock, young man. You know, that's the letter of the law. But if you teach your kids to honor, if honor is the goal, honor mom, honor dad, honor your siblings, honor God. If you teach your kids to honor and then when they don't honor, when they're dishonoring you, then that's when discipline comes in. The goal of all of this is to teach your kids to honor because if your kids honor other people, they're going to navigate life and they will honor you. You can't, and the thing about honor is this, you can't, well, I'll get there in a second. Let's keep going here. So how do we discipline our kids? This is kind of, um, this is kind of a sidebar, but it really helps us learn how to honor 
our children. Discipline is intended to make them better. When you discipline your kids, and I got all this, I just want to throw this out there, I've been extremely shaped by two resources, and parents, you should write these down if, you, if, you, if this stuff is kind of striking a chord with you. One is James Dobson has a, has a book called Dare to Discipline, and that book really, really helped me and Amber early in our child-rearing days, really helped us. And the second one is a more recent one, and that's some of this message is based on this. Andy Stanley has a series called Parenting in the 21st Century, and what I'm going to share to you about discipline is straight from Andy. Andy says this. He says, side with your children when you discipline them. Side with your children, not against them. Now, what does that look like? It looks like this. Oh, no, you got a traffic ticket? Man, that stinks. Rather than, I can't believe you were speeding. What are you going to do? Right? That's siding against them. You've inconvenienced me, right? But siding with them says, what are we going to do? Man, that's terrible. You must feel awful. If I, I've gotten traffic tickets before. Man, I, I hate it when I get one. Let's see what we can do about this, right? That's siding with them. The other day, uh, not too long ago, Adele told me a little lie. And when she told me, I was like, oh, no, Adele, you lied to me. That's terrible. I'm st- I, I, what are we going to do about this? You know, and I'm like on her side. I just like that. I know that breaks your heart that you felt you had to do that, and it sure breaks mine. Man, Adele, what are we gonna do? And act surprised. Act surprised that they messed up. Seriously, act surprised. Even if you're not surprised, act surprised. Because when you act like you're not surprised, you're siding against them. I was expecting you to mess up. I knew you'd do this, right? But if you're in their corner and you're hoping for the best, when they mess up, you're so surprised and you're so caught off guard. And that's what Andy says to do. He says, side with your children. And he also says this, loan them your strength. That's what we talked about with kindness. Loan them your strength. Okay, let's take the parking, I mean, the speeding ticket, for example. Okay, speeding ticket. Now, some of y'all know state troopers and you know judges and you know people that can take care of the ticket, right? And that, that's good and fine. But the thing is, what you're saying is, you sit over here while I use my strength I use my strength. I'm bigger than you. I'm smarter than you. I have more connections to you, and I'm going to take care of this. I'm ashamed that you did this, but I'm going to take care of this. Rather than saying, oh, no, you got a speeding ticket. What are we going to do? And they say, I don't know. I say, well, why don't you turn it over on the back, and let's see what the instructions say. Okay, uh, i got to go to the courthouse. Okay, when are we going? All right, we're going this day. And then you go to the courthouse with them. And you, you help, if they don't have the money, help them figure out how to get the money. Loan them your strength. Loan them the things that you know and help them walk through it. So that way, when they, when they graduate, they might, instead of thinking, my dad's going to get me off the hook and I'm going to have to walk in the shame that I did this again. Instead, they know the dangers and the woes of having a speeding ticket and they're going to avoid it. And if they do get one, they know how to take care of it because you've parented them through this, Right? And the, thing, the other thing that we want to do is we want to help them restore what was broken. When Adele told me a lie, I was thinking, I was, had this series in my mind, and I thought, okay, I've got to help her restore what was broken. What was broken when she lied to me? My trust. She broke the trust that she had with me. I trusted that she would always tell me the truth, and she broke that. And so I was like, oh, Adele, I'm so surprised you told me a lie. I, I really, really hate that for you, 
you know, what do you think we can do? Because you've broken daddy's trust, and now daddy doesn't know if you're telling me the truth or if you're telling me a lie. Before, I just thought you are always telling the truth, but now you've broken that trust. What do you think you can do? And I know that's a lot of pressure on a seven-year-old, right? But I'm not shaming her. I'm helping her, right? Because the thing is, I've lied, right? I've lied to my parents. I've been there, and I've done that. Don't shame your kids. See if you can help them restore what was broken. If they've dishonored someone else, help them figure out. Make them apologize in full sentences. With, with Adele and Evie, you know, they, they fight on a regular basis. They're sisters, you know. It's just what they do. But when they fight, I make sure that they are at least honoring each other, right? I make sure that they're not, they're not dishonoring each other. They're not calling each other names. They're not yelling at each other. But it's okay to say what you want, and it's okay to tell somebody that you don't want to do something. It's okay to have those clashes of wills. They're going to have them. But teaching them how to do it honorably is my whole goal. And so when you teach your kids to restore what has been broken, make them apologize in full sentences, okay? And so, um, yep, 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 yep. And here's one other thing. This is, this is the last thing I'll say on, on the discipline side. Don't announce a punishment before time. Don't say, if you do that one more time, I'm gonna whatever, okay? Now, that's our default. I've done it a thousand times, guys. I know that. But Andy says, the moment you do that, what you say is, I'm expecting you to mess up. I'm expecting you to break the rule. Discipline, when they're young, should be swift, you come in, you don't, <laughs> don't count to three. You know what happens when you count to three? Your kids don't do it. They're like, they're, three doesn't mean anything to them, right? Like over time, they learn where the boundary is and they're looking, where is the boundary? Where is the boundary? And if you move the boundary to the beginning, guess what? They listen a lot better, right? If they go to time out whenever the first moment they do what they're not supposed to do, or if you stop them in the behavior, if, let's, say, let's say you don't want them running in church, which I'm totally fine with the kids running around church after church. I love it all the time. We have it in rehearsals all the time, and I love it. But let's just use that for an example. Your kids run in church. Instead of saying, if you don't stop running in church, I'm going to count to three, and at three, I'm going to take you outside. Instead, sit them down and say, take a moment, just take a moment out of your time and say, you know what? I don't want you to run in church. This is the house of God. We want to honor the house of God, and also I don't want you to get hurt. Can you, can you not do that, please? And if they stop, if they, if, they, if they say yes, great, and then they do it again, then you have another area of discipline action that you, they've, they've broken your word, they've broken your trust, they've dishonored your wishes, right? And that takes another step. But honor them in the beginning. Move those things up. Don't just automatically go to punishment. Don't just automatically go to siding with them. Honor your children. And it takes some creativity. It really does. It really, really does. Man, I wish I had time to dive into that more, but I want to keep going in our verse. It says this, love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. Keeps no records of wrongs. Don't keep tally marks against your kids. Don't, don't keep score against your kids. You know, when I've disciplined my children, um, when I've done that, what I do, the moment that the discipline is over, you know what I do? I say, I love you, you're forgiven, let's go play. That's it. I don't hold it over their heads. I don't make them, they don't have to do anything to come up to zero with me. We move on like that because that's what the Heavenly Father has done for me. And that's what he's done for you. And so don't hold those things over their heads. Don't be looking for ways your kids are messing up. 
Our love always protects, it always trusts, and it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And this brings me to my last point, and that is this. We said honor up, honoring God, honor down, honoring your kids, honor all around. I want to talk to you about honoring your spouse just for a little bit. Honoring your spouse. The most important relationship in your family, the most important relationship that affects these 936 weeks and who they become as an adult, the most important relationship is the one that you have with your spouse. The thing is, you were a family before you had kids. You were already a family, and then they came in. And the gravitational pull that happens after you have kids is to make them the center of the family. But I want to tell you, that's not who they are, and that's not where they should be. The center of your family is you and your spouse. That's the most important relationship. As your marriage goes, so your children go. And what you pour into your marriage, you will see come out in your children. What you pour into that relationship of mommy and daddy, you're going to see it come out in your children. If you pour in hate and bitterness into your relationship, then you're going to see it come out in your kids. If you sow honor and you sow love and you sow patience and kindness and gentleness and all those things, you're going to see those things come out in your children. And you'll also see it come out of your spouse, which is also great, right? (laughs) Your kids notice every unkind word. They notice every impatient moment with your spouse. They notice every mean look back and forth between the two of you. And they hear every time you say, hey, don't tell your mom. When it's not a secret gift that you're surprising them with, right? Your behavior gives your kids a green light on how they treat not only your spouse, but also how they treat you. And the quickest way to earn the respect and honor of your children is to show honor to your spouse. I just want to give you some brief examples Um, But before I do, I want to say this. All you single parents, God bless you. Amber went for a few days to see her parents recently, and I had my two girls by myself, and the whole time I was like, Lord, I am not called to be a single parent. Amber, your job security was at an all-time high already, but it just went through the roof. And all you single parents, I know it has to be so incredibly hard for you. But I want to tell you, just because you don't have a spouse there in the home with you, it doesn't take you off the hook for showing honor to the people that are helping you raise your children, okay? You have to show honor because your kids are watching. Your kids are watching you. And what you pour into those things, they're going to see it. They're going to see it. And so, and also, I just want to tell you, single parents, we support you here at Life Church. We love you so much. We have, that's why we try to have childcare every event so that you can drop the kids off and be like, ah, Okay, <laughs> you know, if y'all ever just want to go take a nap back in the risers during service, we like totally okay that. You're good to go single parents. Um, but also, you know, we've got some small groups, some divorce care groups. We've got some groups for you. And so I just want to say we love you and we honor you, but you're not off the hook for showing honor to people that are helping you raise your kids. The quickest way to earn honor and respect in your children is to show it to those who are helping you raise your kids. And here's just some brief examples. Okay, let's say I'm coming home from work and Amber wants the kids to clean up the house. Daddy's coming home, always going to be mad if we don't get this house cleaned up, right? That's one way to do it. What's the better way to do it? The better way is to say, daddy's coming home, we want to make it really nice for daddy when he comes home. 
let's clean up for a little bit. Let's, let's surprise daddy, right? That's showing honor to me. Something that I learned from Andy Stanley's series, he talked about what they do for his wife when she cooks the meals. And so before they sit down to eat at the dinner table, everybody stands next to the chair and they wait for mom to come sit down. Now, that's such a small little thing and it seems so weird, but we started doing it with our kids and I stinking love it. And Amber, who spent all this time cooking this meal, preparing it, getting it plated, she knows we're not just diving right into the food, not saying thanks, not waiting for her. We're standing and we're waiting and we are honoring her for what she does for this household. And that says volumes to my children about how I feel about Amber and how I want them to treat Amber, right? And that's the same thing goes for you. We want to show honor to our spouse because it teaches them, it teaches them how to honor us. And it also teaches them how to honor other people. Other thing, don't skip date night. Your kids need you to go on a date night. All you helicopter parents who feel like you can't leave your kid's side for more than an hour. And, you know, I know there's sometimes there's special needs that that's, that might be the situation. But for the most part, for most of us, you need to take time out to go on a date. You need to keep, because your relationship with your spouse is the most important relationship. All right. Uh, I feel like I've, I've, I've gone all over the place today. But I hope that there's something in here that's helping you out. Honor is the most important thing. You must honor up. You must honor down. You must honor all around. Your kids see it. And our goal, look, our behavior, remember what we said, our behavior determines. It determines whether our kids will want to be like us, whether they want our influence in their lives later in their lives. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up with me. You got 936 weeks from the car seat to the graduation aisle. What are you doing with them? It's hard to keep your eye on the goal when you're in the middle of all this and there's diapers and there's, uh, there's ball games, recitals. Man, it's not easy. It's not easy. But keep your eye on the prize. Love is the most important ingredient in your family and honor will make the biggest difference and who your kids become. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. I want to finish reading this chapter to kind of close the service out. This is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. It says this, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they're going to cease. Where there's tongues, they're going to be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it's going to pass away. For we know, right now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. And I love that he says this here as we're talking about parenting. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. And I thought like a child. And I reasoned and responded like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror then someday we're going to see God face to face. Someday you and I are going to see God face to face. And I have a question for you. What did you do with these 936 weeks? Did you put love in your children? Was that the main ingredient? Did you teach them to honor God? And I'm not, I hope hope I'm not bringing, I don't want to shame anybody here. 
Maybe you feel like you've completely botched this. You know what? Welcome to the club, right? We have days where we're like, man, I am failing, failing miserably. And maybe your relationship with your kids, you're, you're closer to the graduation hour, maybe even beyond it, and you feel estranged from them, and you feel distant from them. I want to encourage you, your behavior can change now, and it will change how your kids, all of your kids deep down inside, they really do want a relationship with you. But you're going to have to earn their trust. You're going to have to earn it back if you've broken it. You're going to have to earn those things back. And I just want to tell you, there is restoration and there is hope and there is healing if you begin the work in you. It's not on your kids. It's on you. You can't control them. You control you. It's for I know in part, but then someday I'm going to be fully known even as I'm fully known. Now, these three things remain. There's faith, there's hope, and there's love. But the greatest of all of these things is love. It's love. It's love. Here's what I want us to do. I've got these marbles here. And uh, if you want to take one at the end of service, I'm just going to put it up here at the front. If you want to take one at the end of service and just take it with you just to remind you. I've only got 936 of these things from here to there. And I want to instill love in my children, and I want to instill honor in my children. If that's you, and you want one of these, I want you just to grab one after their church. Right now, what I'd love for us to do, they're going to come, and they're going to sing another song in just a moment. And as they do sing, they're going to sing that song, The Blessing. It's a blessing over your family and your children. Dads, I want you to choose to pray with your wife. I want you to do it. You're setting the tone. Show them that you honor God. And you might say, Andrew, hey, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't expecting that. It's weird. It's awkward. I'm not good at praying. You know what? You got to start somewhere. Just start right there. Maybe you need to apologize for something you said. Maybe you need to take some time and and repent. But you know what? You got to start somewhere. Just start right there. And I want you to just... Maybe pray over your wife. And wives, I'd love for you to just pray over your husband. And then you know what I'd love for you to do? I'd love for you to pray over your family. Whether you have kids or not, pray over your family. Whether you have a husband or a spouse, whether you have a spouse here or not, pray over your family. God, God, God is blessed when we do that. And we are blessed when we do that. Amen? So that's what I want us to do. Um, if you, I'm not going to ask our prayer team to come forward this way. Actually, you know what? Sorry. Prayer team, you guys will come forward. If you need healing in your body, I believe God can give you healing this morning. And if you want to give your life to Christ, I want to tell you, the reason we side with our children, the reason we show them honor, the reason we give them grace is because that's what God did for us. That's what God did for us on the cross. And Jesus has paid for your sin he is siding with you. He's not waiting with the hammer of punishment. He is here with grace and he is here with love, just like we've been talking about all morning. And he wants to know you deeply. He wants to know. So if you want to give your life to Christ, you can just come up to the front and pray with one of our prayer partners. If you need healing in your body, you can come up and pray with one of our prayer partners. And uh, I believe God's going to do a great work. Let's pray and believe for our families this morning. God bless.